Thank you. Humbly take your seats in the presence of God. Thank you. It's an honor for the Lord to beat us from far and near to come together like this and to fellowship with the Lord first and foremost and then with one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I was glad, I was glad. when they said to me, let mm. us go. Let us go into the house of the Lord. Into the house of yeah. the Lord. I believe something good is in store for all of us. The Bible says, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Take note of the tenses of scripture whenever you are reading, particularly the tenses of the epistles of the New Testament. They communicate revelation. God is not going to prepare anything. He has prepared them. Hallelujah. And he even went off to say that, but God has revealed. He is not going to reveal. He has revealed them unto us by his spirit. And where is that revelation? They are captured in the book called the Bible. Hallelujah. Amen. Every revelation about the new creature in Christ Jesus, the new man, the new woman in Christ Jesus is in the book. Hallelujah. Amen. And this morning, we're going to make reference to some of the revelations about us and how God would want us to live as far as our Christian living is concerned. In the past one month, in the month of June, we started talking about the need for us to revive our desire, our appetite, our inclination, our passion for soul winning. Those who are here for the first time, I know that you are a special guest. I believe at a proper time we will acknowledge your presence and also give you IPR Ministries, you know, warm welcome. But that is how far we've come. We just want you to know that we, what we're going to do today is actually a follow-up on some informations, revelations, and teachings that have been given to us already. In the month of June, there were four sets of messages our resident pastor, Reverend Joe Sutherland, spoke about carry your cross daily, and then we spoke about personalize the gospel, be a witness, and then receive the ministry of reconciliation. All these messages are available first and foremost on podcasts. You can find them on Facebook. Eventually, we'll post it on our YouTube account as well. So, they're available. And then for your information, we're also live on Facebook at the moment and Facebook, uh, what do you call it? IPR Online Radio. So, those who want to be a part of the service but are engaged in terms of activity, they can tune in into IPR Online Radio and still be a part of what is going on. Now, why am I bringing all these things? It is because of what we're going to talk about today. What we shared in June was to prepare us for this particular message I'm going to share with you, which I title Responsible Christian Living. Tell me about Responsible Christian Living. Christian Living. Now, this is a follow-up on last week's Sunday's message I titled Grow Up. Tell your neighbor, Grow Up. Grow Up. Because until you grow up, we identified last week's Sunday, there are some things that God may not entrust to your care. He's already entrusted so much to our care, but you will only become 
um, you will only have that ability to execute that responsibility when you grow up. Let's analyze the title of today's message one by one before I go into scripture. Number one, responsible. We say responsible Christian living. Someone has rightly defined responsibility as giving response to your ability. Can you tell your neighbor, giving response to your ability to your ability in other words when you have an ability and then you do not give response to that ability you do not utilize that ability you do not make use of that ability the reverse is actually your case you are then irresponsible so responsibility can also be pronounced as response in other words, you are responsible. Say, I am responsible. Able. Do you get it too? Responsible. From two words, responsible. In other words, I have the ability to respond to this particular demand. And what is that demand? We're going to look at it very soon. What is that assignment? What is that which has been entrusted to our care that we should give response to? That is why we are here today hallelujah number two we are talking about responsible christian living so the second word is christian in other words if i said responsible living that is a broad subject and i believe as christians one day we will have forum or workshops that will talk about responsible living for instance how to be a good citizen how to take care of your home how to take care of your community they are all part of the responsible life but that's a broad subject i believe that if we are true christians we will also be resp- i mean we also live responsibly even towards society and towards our nation hallelujah are you following people of god yes Lord. so what i'm trying to say is that we, we may not look at all the abilities that we all have for which cause we must give response to we're just going to look at just one aspect that is related to everyone who is a child of god everyone who is a christian so if you're a christian i'm addressing you if you are not a christian i believe by the end of this message you will become a christian hallelujah amen yeah i believe so we are dealing with someone who is in christ someone who is who has received the gospel, who has embraced the gospel, who has believed in Jesus and confessed his lordship. That is the person we are talking about today. And then living. The highest living, I believe, is to live for the one who died for us. There are all kinds of living. There are those who live for themselves. They live because they want to make a name for themselves. And they work towards that. Even in the Bible, as far back as Genesis chapter 11, the Bible talks about someone who decided to make a name for himself. He actually gathered the whole world. Before that time or before the incident of that day, everybody spoke the same language. But it was as a result of that rebellion. Let me call it that rebellion because his name is Nimrod. Nimrod gathered the whole world speaking one language that let us build a tower that will reach unto the heavens so that we may make a name 
for ourselves. They wanted to do something independent of the Most High God. They wanted to just do something that will become like man will worship man. Man will worship himself. It is like an ideology that is even in the 21st century generation where they say that you are your own God. God is in your heart. When you are good, you are just, you know, it's God. At, you know, they just want to make reference without God. So that it's just about you. That was Nimrod's idea. And God will always scatter that idea, I'm telling you. Because Amen. in the case of Nimrod, the Bible says that God spoke and said that, look, the people, the King James language actually expressed it very well. He said the people is one. He didn't say the people are one. Grammatically, the people is one is wrong. But God wanted to tell you how one they were such that even in even though they were doing something evil, their unity would have still been executed. I mean, would have been used to execute an evil agenda. They were so one that God said, let us go and scatter their language or else they will achieve their purpose. And that was when language was divided. And some are not speaking. What is your language? Ga. Is that which one? A powerful language. That's the language you speak. A powerful. Okay. I like that. Some speak Bue. Mm? Bue language, eh? Do you speak Bue language? Yes. Mr. Owani. Some speak Tree. Some speak Hausa. And all manner of languages emerge from one language. Hallelujah. What am I saying? Some live for themselves. Some live for self-aggrandizement, self-achievement. Even in psychology, they call it self-actualization. Where you want to reach the peak of your fulfillment, that which gives you fulfillment. There is nothing wrong with all these things. But if that living has no reference to true Christian living, it is nothing before God. Hallelujah. Amen. So the highest living, there are different kinds of living, but the highest living is a living that is reference to Christ. The living that you have an aim, you have a mission that someone died for me. Now I'm going to live for that person. Mind you, that person we say we're going to live for before he left the earth. I, 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 before he left the earth, I mean. Before he, he went to the cross, he made a profound statement. He said, occupy till I come. In other words, take my place and do what I would have done if I were around till I come. So, responsible Christian living is simply taking I mean, or stepping into the shoes of Jesus. That is responsible Christian living. Say, stepping step in, into the shoes, into the shoes of, Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ. Taking his place, taking his place and, doing and doing what he would have done and what if he, could have he done. were around. Hallelujah. Amen. If Jesus were around, what would he have done? We will look at the scripture very soon. One of the things that define the living of Jesus Christ. So that if we're going to be responsible Christians and live the responsible Christian life, then we can follow that same pattern. We can follow that same example. Acts chapter 10. The highest living, I've told you, is to live for the one who died for you. Acts 10 38. Acts 10 38 summarizes the way Jesus Christ lived. And if we are going to live for him because he died for us, then if we're going to continue from where he left off, this is the picture. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit 
and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Somebody say amen. Amen. This person scripture describes here before he left the earth Matthew 28 verse 20 he says and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age of this age. So he is with us the same God and if you have received the Holy Spirit there are different degrees of anointing and power so we can step into the shoes of Jesus and also go about doing good even if you are not going to heal all that are oppressed of the devil at least you can take one dimension of his lifestyle which is what? doing good and can I tell you the highest good we can do to humankind is, I'm talking about Christians here, the highest good we can do to humankind is to make the good news be heard, be known, and be experienced by someone else. Are you there? Yes, Lord. This one, you cannot say that I'm not an evangelist. No. I'm not talking to evangelists. I'm talking to Christians responsible Christian living is all about we making the gospel our own responding to that commitment God has entrusted the gospel the good news to our care and he wants us to wake up to that call he wants somebody to rise up and say that look God has positioned me in this life maybe you have you know you are, you are occupying a very wonderful position in life, in society. But that position is not an end in itself. It is so that through you, some people in that circle of life, who the ordinary person may not have access to, will have access to the gospel, hear the gospel probably for the first time, understand the gospel, and then they will embrace the gospel and also you know, get born again. That is the reason for living. Hallelujah. Amen. It doesn't matter your vocation. It doesn't matter your profession. It doesn't matter your background. Whatever we do in society, they are all not an end in themselves. They are a means to an end. And that end is to achieve the highest goal. And I said the highest goal we can do to humankind is to make the good news available. Why do we call it good news? Somebody may ask. What is it about the gospel that somebody must hear? You may say that, well, I, it is for the preachers. Maybe the pastor will come and preach. But how about you? Why is it that when God saved us, you received Jesus and then you got born again? Why is it that God didn't take you home? Because what are we doing here? First John 5, 19 says that the whole world lies in wickedness. Why will God leave us in a wicked world? Galatians 1, 4 calls it present evil world. Why will God leave us in a present evil world? Why didn't he take us to heaven straight away? So have you asked yourself, why am I here? Is it just so that I will also pass through and just add to the number and then when finally you exit, you exit? No. There is a purpose for living. The reason why God let us here is so that through you, somebody who may not have access to the Bible may hear the gospel, even through your lifestyle, may understand the gospel 
and then believe in Jesus receive him as his or a savior confess him as his or a lord and also be born again that is the purpose for living if all your living does not climb us in that goal if all your living does not gear towards that goal you have lived substandardly you have lived below the standard hallelujah there's a standard Amen. set for every child of god whether you are adult in christ or young in christ it is he has given us that ability mind you we saw when we we taught this message um receive the ministry of reconciliation we saw in second corinthians chapter 5 that god has given to us the ministry he has given he's not going to give and he didn't say he has given to some people he has given to every christian the ministry of reconciliation and then the next line says he has committed to us the word of reconciliation he has so that ability is in every child of god say i have the ability, I have the ability to make known to make known the gospel the gospel is there and when you do not give response to that ability that is why god will judge us the judgment seat of Christ for believers is going to be about what you live for. What your purpose on earth was for. The money that you acquired, what was it for? The degrees that you acquired, what was it for? The education you acquired, what was it for? The traveling overseas, traveling to and fro abroad, what was it for? The business contracts you got, what was it for? Everything we do in this life must be factored into the gospel. Other than that, you are not living yet. Hallelujah. Other than that, you haven't started living. And mind you, when we, those of us who, who were not here, you can go back to our message, the judgment seat of Christ. I said in that message that at the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus Christ, whose eyes are like unto a flame of fire, will look through our works everything that we do in this life, you will just look through it. So if what you did was not based, it was not purpose for the gospel, it was not a means to an end, but it was just an end in itself. If you only live for yourself, it is called wood, hay, or chaff. And what is going to happen is that when you look through that wood, wood, hay, or chaff, it will burn to ashes. So though you are in heaven, but your works didn't follow you. Bible says we will enter heaven and our works will follow us. And he's going to reward us based on our works. Jesus Christ went about doing good. What good can you do to society? And then there are those who also live for Christ. Whose, whose living was not an end in its, itself, but a means to an end to win somebody at all costs. If you go out of your house, you just know that today I have in mind that through my sitting in this trotter, somebody must have an idea of the gospel. You are not going to be a new science. I'm not talking about being a new science. I'm talking about using strategic wisdom to win somebody at all costs. Where your plan, your mission, your prayer, even in the morning, it's not about what you eat or drink, but it's about Father, just use me. Give me an opportunity to save a soul today. Are you there? Hallelujah. If that was your living, then whatever you acquire in this life, whatever you achieve, as Jesus looks through your works, the Bible says it will be gold or silver or precious stone. That will be refined. So your works will follow you and your works will be rewarded. And your reward will determine your position with Christ in the world to come. Please don't, don't underestimate that. That's going to be a big thing. So in heaven, we're not going to wear the same crowns. In fact, some will not even have crowns. 
and some will not have thrones. Bible said they will be saved as if by fire. You know, they just went through. They just escaped by the skin of their teeth. They just escaped by some providence. They just escaped hell and entered heaven. But afterwards, nothing else. That is not true living. Don't wait till when you are about to exit the earth. That is when you will say, eh, give my money to the church project. Give my resources. No, it may be too late. The time is now. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell you about responsible, responsible Christian living. Christian living. That education you acquired, you didn't acquire it for yourself. God gave you the opportunity. Use it as an opportunity to reach out to other people of the same education who do not know Jesus. That is your world. I may not be able to come to your world. I told you that I went to a, a, a place, a very notable place in this country, and they had written boldly, no preaching here. It's there. No preaching here. What will you do? Oh, you know the place. I won't mention it, but it's a very, pop I mean, the most popular place in this country, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, the most popular place in this country. Is there no preaching in this place? Except you have the, the it's a, except you have the, the permission by blah, blah, blah. You know, it was there, boldly. I look at it, that's okay. That's a good idea. But I can still use my lifestyle to still preach the gospel in this environment. Hallelujah. Amen. So even when they say no preaching, that's why we preach the message, be a witness. By your lifestyle, you can still be a witness. Somebody just, can just look at you. How did they call them Christians? But we say they call them Christians first in Antioch because they saw that they behave like Christ. In fact, it was a nickname. Christian was not the original name. It was a nickname. They were mocking them. Look at them. They are Christians. They are behaving like Christ. And now we have taken it upon ourselves. But sometimes we behave like anti. I won't even mention it. Meanwhile, we are supposed to be Christians, but we behave like anti. Are you there? Say, I am response able. Able. It's there. It has been given us. So if you do not respond to it, if you do not live as such, God can judge you and he will judge all of us. Even me, the preacher, he will judge me. Because there may be certain opportunities God will bring my way. I'm the only person who will be able to witness to that person. If I don't do it, and that soul goes to hell, God will require the person's soul from my hands. Your mentality, your whole ideology, your whole living should be geared towards this thing that I'm doing. I'm a soldier, but I'm a soldier for Christ. I'm a marketer, but I'm a marketer for Christ. I am a contractor, but I'm a contractor for Christ. You understand? You must attach Christ to your living. The business of soul winning is not for pastors, for evangelists alone. It is for every Christian. And we must be responsible. We must respond to this ability. God is calling on us. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Everywhere you go, we are supposed to make I told you the highest good is to make known the good news. The good news of Jesus. Look at Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He says for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. I like verse 17 of that, that particular chapter. Verse 17. Somebody can read it for me. Romans 1 17. I'm telling you there's something in verse 17 we have not looked at before. Romans 1 17. 
Romans 1.17. Yes, please. For in, for in it. For in it. Mind you, we are talking about the gospel. For in it. The King James says, for therein. For in it. The righteousness of God mm. is revealed. Is revealed. From faith to faith. Mm. As it is written. As it is written. The just shall live. The, the, the just shall, shall live, live by faith. faith. That's just, a, you know, but my emphasis is the first line. For in it. Someone say in it. In it. In the gospel. In the gospel. There in, in the, I mean, in package within the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What does that mean? If I bring a parcel here, who has something that looks like a parcel? A parcel. Yeah, yeah, you can give me anything that looks like a parcel. Yes. Thank you. That's good. Cover it like that. Yeah. Can you see what is inside? So no. I bring a parcel. Then I said, in it, in this package, let's say the package is the gospel. You may think it's all, oh, it's just good news that you are telling, but in the package, the righteousness of God is unveiled, is revealed until the gospel is preached, until it is made known, until somebody is made to understand the gospel, he may not have the ability to do right. Righteousness is all about ability to do right. Without the gospel, what God is telling us is that without the gospel, nobody in this world can do right. In fact, even if you do right by yourself, the Bible says it is like filthy rags in his sight. Are you there? When you do right, but not with God and by God's standard, it is nothing before God. But in the gospel, in the gospel, it packaged within the gospel, Therein lies the righteousness of God. In other words, God has given us an ability to let somebody have the opportunity to do right, to think right, to talk right, to live right. Therein the gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So if the gospel is all made known, you are, you are denying somebody the opportunity to do right. Listen, we are the reason why there is some taste in this world. I've said it here before. If anybody says that, hey, this world is so sweet, I'm enjoying this life, it is simply because you and I, Christians, we are here. That's why there's some taste in this world. Why? Because Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. Are you there? Yeah, man. Say, I am the salt, the salt of the earth. Of the earth. Meaning that we give, we season. You know, salt is used to season fish and to give taste to soup and to stew and to food have you eaten salt free diet before salt free diet for how long i was on salt free diet for a very long time until 1991 i just threw the drugs away i said i'm tired now are you there so it looks so nice secondary school everybody's eating and then my own is just coming everybody's meanwhile i know the thing is tasteless. So, those days, can I confess, I'll go to the pantry and steal some salt. I'm glad that we have identified that we are children of God. Say, I am a child of God. I am a child I of am God. the salt of the earth. I am the salt of the earth. There is something in us we have received that gives us that grace to season lives. And apart from seasoning of food, it's also to preserve. I hope you know that about salt. Yes. 
We are the reason why the world is preserved from evil. Evil has not happened where you live because you, are, you live there. Evil has not happened to this nation because we live in this nation. Please, are you there? Yes. That tells you how great we are. We may look the same way like them, but we are not the same because there is something on the inside of us. I always call it the engine. The engine has changed. It is called the righteousness of God. That which makes us right and gives us the ability to do right, to think right, to talk right. He says that ability is packaged in the gospel. And God wants to give it to everybody because that is what Jesus Christ died for. What is the gospel about? What is the good news about? Jesus Christ was made sin for us. Though he didn't know sin. Are you there? Jesus Christ was made sin by God for us. He didn't know any sin by himself or for himself. He had no sin of his own. But God put my sin and your sin into his spirit. He drank into his spirit the cup of iniquity. Please, are you following? And that was when God turned his back on him. Like this one, I can't stand it because scripture makes us to understand that God has no behold iniquity. It's in Habakkuk. I think chapter 1, verse 13 or so. He does not behold iniquity. God does not behold iniquity. So once Jesus Christ was made sin, the Father turned his back on him. Then he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But it was for my sake, it was for your sake. The man was made sin for me. And I could never have had my sins washed away because without the shedding of blood, there is no washing away of sins. Meanwhile, my blood, your blood was already contaminated with sin because we were born that way. When Adam sinned, his blood was contaminated with sin. So even if Adam shed his own blood for the remission of his own sins, it could not work because sin was in that blood. We needed a stainless blood. Blood that has not been stained with sin. And that is why the word became flesh. And mind you, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So in Hebrews, Hebrews quotes a scripture in the Psalms. He said, Behold, a body has thou prepared me. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. It is written of me in the volume of the book. To do thy will, O God. What was that will? That body was to be offered as a sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, because there was blood in that flesh, the blood was not stained with sin because Jesus Christ didn't know his own sin. I mean, he didn't know his personal, I mean, he didn't have personal sin. I don't know how to communicate that. He didn't have sin of his own, probably the better. Jesus didn't have sin of his own. He was in all points tempted like us we are. Bible says, yet without sin. What a savior. I don't know how many of us can live 33 and a half years on earth without sin. The man didn't yield to sin once. Why? Because he had a mission. Had his blood been contaminated with sin, that blood wouldn't have been efficacious to wash my sin on your sin. So he stayed away from sin. You remember the temptation? He was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He didn't yield to any one of them. He passed all the tests. And finally in Gethsemane, I always call it the greatest battle. The greatest battle because if Jesus Christ's will was allowed, 
we wouldn't have come in. Oh yes. It began from there, but it was consummated on the cross. The battle actually began in Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. The man was in agony. So much that scripture says that his sweat was like thick cloths of blood. But actually, it was not just sweat. It was blood oozing out from his pores. He was so frightened and he dreaded the occasion that his pores opened up. So what was coming out was not sweat. It was blood oozing out. He dreaded the occasion. What was the occasion? To carry my sin. You have no idea what it means to carry sin on the inside. Because when someone is carrying sin on the inside, he may look nice on the outside, but he is like a leper on the inside. So God cannot countenance that. God does not behold iniquity. So definitely he knew that though he had lived with the Father, he was God from the beginning. Mind you, he came, the word only became flesh. And he had had this intimacy with God throughout eternity. And for the first time, the Father was going to his back on him. He couldn't stand it. In fact, that broke his heart. And he died as a result of broken heart before the crucifixion would have accomplished that death. Because crucifixion was meant to be or to introduce a slow but painful death. So in the evening, when you have not died, they will break your legs. So in the evening, they were supposed to break everybody's legs so that nobody will come and remove them from the cross and then say that, run away. They broke the first thief's legs. Broke the other one's legs. When he came to Jesus, he was already dead. They went to Pilate. said, the man is dead. He said, come on. So soon. It was not the crucifixion that killed him. His heart was broken. Are you here saying that your heart is broken? Jesus Christ suffered broken heart for you. Amen. His heart was broken. His heart was ruptured. So they pierced his side to confirm whether he was dead or not. And when they pierced his side, the Bible said there was blood and water. What does that mean? The serum had separated from the blood corpuscles. In other words, his heart was ruptured. As if that was not enough, he descended to hell. Oh, Sparangadosa. You don't know what that means. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was... I like the part he descended to hell. Do you know what that means? Because if he had gone there and had not paid for our sins, he wouldn't have come back. He would have remained there forever and all of us would have joined him subsequently. But glory be to God, he paid a price. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt. I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away come on now i can sing a brand new song amazing grace lord jesus paid the debt that i could never one more time he paid the debt he paid the debt he did not owe i owe the debt and i could not pay i needed someone to wash my sins away now i can sing I can sing amazing grace. It's an amazing grace. Lord Jesus paid the debt that I could. One more time, he paid. He paid the debt. He paid the debt. He did not owe. I owe the debt. Come on. I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I can sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Jesus paid the debt. 
around for a long time. Bible calls him the old dead devil, the old devil, old serpent. He's been around for a long time so he has knowledge of so many things and he has old, old tricks that he still uses. But he doesn't know it all. Are you there? Never fear the devil because he doesn't know it all. He does not know your future. You might have had a bad past but your future is so glorious because of Christ. Are you there? Don't fear the devil. Yes. Like some of us, we might have had a messy past, but God loves us anyway. God loves us anyway. Amen. Because the gifts and the calling of God, they are irrevocable. They are without repentance. So the devil didn't know that hidden within that same body was blood that was not stained with sin. And he didn't, he had forgotten probably that the law of God is that without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He had forgotten that all the Old Testament sacrifices of abolitions and shedding of blood was pointing to the ultimate sacrifice. And he didn't know that that man going on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice. He didn't know. He didn't know this one. So the Bible says, if the princes of this world had known that crucifying this man was going to be for our salvation, they would not have crucified him. At all. But it was too late. The man descended to hell. He went to hell. Three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. I don't know how it looked like. But what Bible tells me is that he was justified in the spirit. In other words, he paid the price. After his blood had washed away the sin nature, he was made right in the spirit. And that gave us access to be right. Hallelujah. Amen. Though, though we do not do right or we have not done right, he still gave us the ability. So the Bible says he has, he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Someone say in him. In so him. if you are in Christ, you have been made right. Amen. And God says that give somebody the opportunity to also become right. Amen. That's the gospel. Amen. That's the gospel. Amen. And somebody said, but what is good about this? Somebody dying. Tell him, but if somebody took your sin, number one, carried your punishment, number two, mm. died your death, number three, went to hell in your name, number four, and paid the price in hell for you, number five, hasn't he saved you? He has More saved me. Savior. So all you need to do is to believe that he saved me. And if he saved me and I believe, Bible says you are made right just by believing. Amen. For with a heart, man believes unto righteousness. Once you believe, you are made right. Amen. But don't stop at just being right. There's a second phase to the salvation package. And with a mouth. You've got to open this mouth and say, Lord Jesus, if you save me, then I confess you are my Lord. The moment you do that, Bible says you are translated from the kingdom, from the domain of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. It's a quick one. Amen. The greatest transportation is when you are transported from darkness into light. It can happen instantly. Hallelujah. Are you there? Yes, Lord. Somebody must hear this. Somebody must, must know this. Somebody must understand this. And you and me, We've been given the responsibility. Amen. 
we have been given the responsibility we must respond to this ability whether you are an evangelist or a prophet whether you're an apostle or a pastor whether you're a teacher or a lay person whoever we are we've all been entrusted with this assignment other than that we haven't started living other than that you can live for 90 years on this earth sometimes you can see on some of the obituaries a life well lived why because the age is 128 but the question is god is the only person who can tell what the person did during the 128 years what he did with his way alive are you there if the 120 years was just spending your whole life in court litigating over land because you want to transfer family land to your next generation and your grandchildren and great grandchildren and all your life was litigation upon litigation and you exist as you look sometimes once people leave for long it does not mean it, length of days is not the same as long life i believe some of the length of days is an opportunity god is giving that let's him repent let's just extend you know his days give him some up to 90 give him up to 100 and i'm telling there are some people who are almost 100 still litigating I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> Still litigating. And if that kind of living is going to be judged, I don't know what reward such a person can receive. Say, I am responsible. I am responsible. And from today, and from today, I choose. I choose to use my vocation to use my vocation my profession my profession my education my education my money my money my wisdom my wisdom my intelligence my intelligence my resources my resources and everything god has given me everything god has i use given it me, i use as it an advantage as advantage to let somebody hear the to gospel let hear to the let gospel. somebody know the gospel to let somebody understand the gospel to let somebody be saved somebody to be saved and come into christ and come into Christ. That is responsible Christian living. Put your hands together to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Please, will we do that? Yes, Lord. Will we do that? Yes, please. Yeah. If we do that, then the work of the evangelist will just be to equip us so that we will have the know-how and go out there and use strategic strategic living. It's like you get up in the morning and you dress very well. So are you going for executive meeting? So no, don't worry. I know what I'm going to do. And then you go. You know what you, you are looking for. You go to that office. Yes, you're going to go and sign a contract. But at the back of your mind, in the signing of the contract, you still want somebody to still find opportunity to hear the gospel. Amen. Even if they say no preaching here, still the way you conduct your life, the humility with which you approach the situation. Say, ah, but are you a pastor? And then you can use that opportunity one-on-one -on -one and witness to somebody. May the Lord bless you with understanding. Amen. I am responsible. I am responsible. One day, very soon, we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Mm. What I've shared here today will be used to judge me. It will be used to judge you. Amen. So, if you have heard the message today, happy are you when you do it. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. Put your hands together to the Lord.